Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Little Light Devotions. Today we have a bit of a special episode. Um, for many of you who know me personally, you know that I do a lot of voice work. Um, I think I've, I mentioned it beforehand, at least on the podcast somewhere. But voice acting and narration and things, it's a, it's a passion of mine and also a little bit of a, a side hustle as well, uh, And along with all the other things that I do. And one thing that I've found a particular niche in is audiobook recording, and I love it. I love it so much. Um, I've done a few books now, and one that is coming out very, very recently, I don't think it's available yet, but one that is coming out very, very recently is a book called Chasing Donkeys by Dwayne Morris. And I wanted to get onto the podcast and talk about the book and how much it inspired me and things like that. But as I was like going through and like drafting my ideas for it, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I have direct contact with the author. I could just bring them on myself. So that's exactly what it did. So today on the podcast, we have Brother Dwayne Morris with us. Brother Dwayne, introduce yourself. Hey, good morning, good afternoon. Yes, it is Dwayne Morris, and I am super excited to be able to join Andrew today as we uh, talk about this project that we got to kind of share together. I know the, the book was released back in November, but the way I've kind of laid this out in my mind, it was going to be a process over the coming months and uh, I knew that one day I was going to get it recorded so that's where I was able to connect to injury and we'll talk about that in a little bit but yes I'm down in South Carolina uh, born and raised here I grew up in a small town called Landrum South Carolina finished high school went to college at Clemson University go Tigers Mm -hmm. and uh, started out there as uh, graphics communication and then changed my major to education and finished up with a a degree in secondary education, teaching mathematics. Uh, While I was at Clemson, I met my lovely bride who coincidentally lived only 20 minutes from my hometown. So we lived 20 minutes apart, but we had to drive 60 miles to meet each other at Clemson University. That's awesome. And uh, we got married shortly after graduation. She started working on her master's. I started teaching. And um, once she finished that uh, master's degree, uh, MBA degree, we moved. We knew that family was in on our horizon. And so we moved back closer to home to be uh, close to free babysitting and uh, settled and I got a job teaching. She got a job in corporate America and we got plugged into a a local church and really began to serve and do all things young couples do that want to be active in a church and um, got involved in student ministry. And that really uh, changed my entire perspective on my my role as an educator. Uh, I did not see teaching as something that I had to do uh, every day. Teaching in the school became a mission field for me Mm. because I saw the need for the gospel in the lives of the students that I was serving at church. And so I thought, why can't I bring this to the the mission field of of the classroom? And so within the 
guidelines of you know, how you can live out your faith. And uh, school, uh, I just began to just build relationships with students looking for an opportunity to to interject the seeds of the gospel as those opportunities came available and really began to see a lot of fruit from that. But here's the thing, Andrew, as I was teaching, and this is before we even moved back, I love what I did as a teacher. I loved the, the environment. I loved the opportunities. But there was always something in my spirit that said there's something else. And I didn't know what that was. And that's a maybe a story we can get into a little bit later. But just the way the Lord directed my steps to uh, a, an encounter with him to say there's something bigger out there. And I just had to be willing to say yes. I think in the book I talk about this idea of putting putting your yes on the table and that's what I tried to do. And in doing so, the Lord brought me to a point where he said, okay, it's time for the next chapters, no pun intended. Hmm. And um, I began to explore that, and what that led me to was a transition from the classroom to the church house. And so I began serving full-time ministry back in 1996, and that's where I've been ever since. And love what I do. Uh, I'm, I'm at a church here in South Carolina, and people always ask, so what's your responsibilities? And the standing joke is, I'm the minister of whatever you need at the moment. <laughs> and uh, that keeps me hopping. Yeah. yeah. Ministry is never a, a quiet a quiet responsibility. It never, it's never a still responsibility. You're always on the move, always doing something. Oh yeah. And, and working with a lot of different people. That's why I love it so much. Is, um, as much as I love working with students, um, what I do now is I, I've been able to contact everybody from our volunteers and children's ministry up to adults and everybody in between. Hmm. Yes. And that we, we need, we need stuff like that. Um, I can't remember if I had mentioned to you or not, but the previous school year, so 2022, 2023, I taught, um, I taught Bible at a, at a Christian school and, um, the, the generations have changed, times have changed, but the needs have not, the spiritual needs have not, that's for sure. Um, even at, even at a Christian school, there was a plethora of children that I interacted with on a daily basis that just needed to hear the gospel, the families as well. And so even though my job might've been teaching, I was already in a state of ministering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, it, cause you just, that's one thing I learned as a teacher is that you, these kids that sat in desk across from me, had all kinds of issues that they were dealing with. I tell you what, it makes me think about. There's a there's a a, a video that Chick Fil A uses, and they may not still use it now, but they did it I did while uh, a while back. But it, it's basically conveying the idea that every customer has a story, and their job at Chick Fil A is not so much to serve chicken, but to be an influence in the lives of all those people that come in their stores. And this video shows these different people inside of a Chick-fil-A store and above their head as they would pan the restaurant, these little clouds would appear above each person's head and it would say like uh, over a, a lady sitting there by herself that her husband had passed away a week ago and she's trying to figure out if she's going to make it. 
and then it would pan to a, a single mom and uh, saying that she just lost her job and how is she going to provide for her family. And so the same thing with all those kids in that classroom is they have all kind of challenges. And what I love to do, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I love to find, I always love to find the kid that not had the hardest life, but really just did not believe in themselves mm. and tried my best to call up that potential, to call that out of them, to help them believe that they could indeed do math, you know, because everybody, you know, you either love math or you quote, I can't do math. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love to find the kid that, that would say to me, I just can't do math. And I said, oh, yes, you can. And I would just really begin to speak life into them and encouragement and just let them know that I believed in them. And one of my favorite things to do was when these kids would begin to turn the corner, I would call their house at nighttime and to brag on them. I'd call them and talk to their parents. And it, it never failed that, you know, back then before cell phones, you know, anytime the phone rang your home, you know, somebody was already eager to answer the phone. And it was typically the teenager. Mm. And um, they would always answer the phone. And I would say, hey, Bobby, this is Mr. Morris. And it'd be like dead silence on the phone. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And like, hey, I need, I need to talk to your mom or dad in the more silence. Oh, man, you're making them, okay. making them shake. You're you know? making them shake. And then mom and dad would get on the phone, and they're expecting bad news. But I would just say, hey, I just want you to know Bobby has been crushing it in class, and you ought to be proud of him for all the work that he's doing. Mm. And uh, the next day, I had a new best friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Pouring life into those kids. Yeah. Um, it's because uh, a lot of these kids don't get encouragement from their families or from the culture that they are in. Um, and it's, it's sad, especially what, what I've seen, you know, here in, in Baltimore city, where a lot of times, you know, being educated is, lo- is often looked down upon. Like it's, it's not cool. It, it, it's always been uncool, you know, for every generation and every culture, um, but at least I've noticed it with, I think the kids I taught were technically still in my generation, but at least for my generation, um, they just really are looking more for, um, pleasure and they're looking more for experiences. And so when you encourage them to do something that might be considered uncool, um, at first it might just be a little bit uncomfortable, but once they get the hang of things, you know, like, like math, um, I had really great math teachers when I was in school get the hang of those things and you just take off. It's, it's something that sticks with them because you did, you, you never gave up on them. You, you didn't give up, you believed in them. And that kind of thing, like you said, it make a best friend forever at that point, because they will always remember how you made them feel in that minute. Oh gosh. Yes. You know, and I always told them, you know, everybody wanted the, the, the popular question, the famous question we probably have all asked somewhere in our life is when am I ever going to use this? Mm-hmm. You know, Mm-hmm. And, and I would always say, listen, math is just a platform. What I'm teaching you is how to make decisions in life. Yeah. And, um, you know, and how to use the information that you already have to make the next decision. And that's what you're going to be about in life is using the information that's in your path to make the decision for something that's, that's ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you jumped into ministry after teaching for a while. And what led you to, at this point, create um, Chasing Donkeys? What what inspired you to write it? Well, that's, that's, I love that question. I love the opportunity to 
talk about something like this because this is not my first book. Uh, the first book is a book called The Outrageous Life. Hmm. I don't know. Did you know that? I, I believe you mentioned it in Chasing Donkeys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that book was written 10 years ago. Mm. And this, I can't really, I can't really talk about Chasing Donkeys without mentioning that one because something I, I, I want people to know is that I was never a quote unquote aspiring author. Um, never had any intention of writing a book. It wasn't a bucket list. It wasn't on my 10 year plan. It really it just never even crossed my mind. Mm. And I was speaking at a camp in the summer of 2017. And actually, it's the summer of 2016 because I, I started working on the book after that. But um, I was preparing my outline for a, a talk that night. And I needed a, I, I felt I, my, my illustration was a little bit off. And so I thought, I'm going to go back and revisit um, some, some stories in scripture. And the Lord just kind of drew me to the story of Gideon. And as I began to read Gideon's story, if you remember that, he, he was called to, to really, to liberate his people and uh, really fight for their freedom. And he had his way. First of all, he had his insecurities. But then once he got past his insecurities, he had his strategy. And God said, you got too many soldiers. We got to cut this number down. So that's when he takes them down to the brook. And, and, and based on how they were drinking the water, determine which ones got to stay and which ones got to go home. And he ended up with 300 soldiers to fight this incredible battle. And so as I began to kind of outline that story, uh, I kind of just took a pause and I held up my, my notepad and it was like the Lord said, I won't say it wasn't audible, but there was a clear nudge in my spirit that said, I think you've got a book there. Mm. I'm like, well, yeah, I can see that, but I'm working on a talk. Thank you. But I'm, I'm, I'm working on my talk for tonight. So move on. But the way the Lord works sometimes is if that's something he puts on your heart, you really can't shake it. Yeah. And so I, I got to the place where I, I couldn't quit thinking about that story. I couldn't quit thinking about that outline. Couldn't quit thinking about the fact that the Lord said, I think you've got a book there. And so it really became a point of obedience for me. Mm. As much as I may have tried to dismiss it or I won't say resist it, but just, I guess my own insecurities kept rising to the top. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I used to be a math teacher. I'm just trying to, you know, be a better communicator. And, um, I just couldn't shake it. So really it came to the point where I had to write that book and you know, start that book, write it and finish it. Mm. And it's, it's not, it's, it's a hundred pages. It's a quick read. But it's a book, you know, it was something I felt like God put on my heart, something I needed to do, and really just to be obedient about it, I finished it, moved on. Now, and you probably have the experience this, Andrew, when you decide that you're going to be a quote-unquote expert at something, Mm -hmm. then everybody else wants to know what you did to become an expert at something. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Yep, and so I had people friends and other people 
coming to me and said, hey, tell me how you wrote this book. So it, I really spent the next couple of years just walking with people as they felt like the Lord had you know, given them something to write about. Mm. And, you know, something I've learned about writing a book, especially, you know, and this is not necessarily the intention of what you're trying to do, but in, in writing books, there's either the traditional route where you have to get an agent and then you have to find a publisher and, and work and work through the, I guess, the commercial route, or you can just self-publish. And to be honest, I didn't have the confidence to go start trying to find an agent and then pitching everybody that this is the next bestseller. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, this is a pretty small thing. I'll just self-publish. And I found Amazon, uh, Kindle, Direct Publishing uh, as a very reasonable resource. And so that's the route I went. And I learned a lot in that process. And so everybody just wanted to know what I had learned. Mm-hmm. And so, but here's the thing. Once you kind of begin that journey it's like the lord begins to stir other things up in your mind so shortly after the dust had settled on me helping people the lord birthed inside of me this idea this concept for chasing donkeys and so i committed i want to say it was um that was 16 probably 2018 2019 was when I decided, okay, I'm going to write the next book. And so I began working on writing Chasing Donkeys. And I remember because I had set a goal to finish it by the end of the year, I remember spending New Year's Eve up in our bonus room at our house. My family's downstairs watching college football, watching the ball drop at New York City. And I'm upstairs frivolously trying to finish every last word of this book before the clock struck midnight so that I could say I accomplished my goal. And when I did, I closed the computer. And to be honest, I never thought about it again. Mm. It was in the back of my mind, but I knew it was there. But I guess because of the nature of the way it had unfolded, I decided the work was done. Now, here's a funny story. In the process, I had told a few people that I was working on this project. One of those was my son. And um, every two to three months, he would walk walk past me, walk into the room somehow, and he would say, hey, how's chasing donkeys coming? And I would make up some excuse like, well, it's done. I just got to edit or I've got to find an editor or... You know, I, I got to make sure it's ready to be sent off. You know, all these excuses about why I had finished it. But he would always just say, that's good. And then um, move on. Two or three months later, he'd come back and ask the same thing. And so it's like the Lord would not let me just completely forget about this book. Mm. And in 2020, into 2021, uh, working on my goal for th- 2022, and I'm like, the Lord's dead. This is the year you're going to finish this book. And so that became one of the goals that I set for 2022 was to get the book finished and, and ready. 
And um, so I just began to, um, I know, get it out, clean it up, polish it off, and started looking for resources on, you know, publishing it through a, a traditional route. And then uh, I met a friend. I helped another friend publish a book. And uh, he introduced me to someone who has done white labeling, which is basically they do all the work. You still self-publish, but um, you pay for that. You pay for their work. And when they came back with a, an estimate, I thought, I'm not that invested in it. Mm. And so... I just began to pray about, you know, asking the Lord to give me the resources that I need uh, to finish this. And so I, I met a lady out in, I met her through a, a common creative group um, with Jordan Rayner. Are you familiar with Jordan Rayner? I am not, no. Yeah, yeah, he does a lot of work in creating and um, encouraging people really just to make the most of the time that, that God's given them. and. Um, he launched his little cohort of, of creative people. So I met this lady, Barbara Gillian, and um, she was my editor. And so just fast forwarding, she got it to me by the um, by the beginning of October. And I began to put everything in place to launch it. And so the book launched in uh, on Thanksgiving Day of 2022. And then here we are kind of working the process of getting it, you know, in people's hands and letting people know about it in 2023. So that's kind of the backstory. Um, do you want me to kind of give you the, the context of the book? Yeah. So that, that leads me into my next question. So we have, we got the background of it. What is Chasing Donkeys? Yeah. So it is a story uh, that, well, I mean, back up. It's a principle that anchors to the story of when God gave the Israelites their very first king. So, if you go to the book of Second Samuel, you begin to read how the Israelites basically started looking around at all the other nations around them, and they all had a king. And so, they started telling God, "We want a king." Mm. And and this conversation is happening through the prophet Samuel. And so Samuel keeps, you know, he's trying to represent them before the Lord. But at the same time, he kind of recognizes, well, they're all coming to me. Why don't I kind of maybe short circuit this and, and kind of save the trouble? And I'll just put my sons in charge. Well, that didn't go well. And, and they really didn't want Samuel to be in charge. So finally, Samuel goes to the Lord and says, they want a king. And God said, give him a king. Cause really God was like, I'm the king. Just, just follow me and uh, you'll be your, everything will be perfect. It'll work out fine. And they were like, no, we want a king like everybody else. And God relented. He gave him, told Samuel to give him a king. So now Samuel is tasked with this idea, with this responsibility are going to find the very first king of Israel. Mm. So where do you start looking? And God says, don't worry, I'll show you who it is. So if you press pause on that story, you got to recognize the fact that God has decided to grant him a king, and God has already determined who that king is going to be. So you got to think that person 
to have God's favor in that regard has to be a pretty special person. Right. And we know that that person was Saul, King Saul. The thing about King Saul is when you begin talking about him, I talk about this in, in the book is that people tend to remember first how they experienced us last. Mm. And so whenever we think about King Saul, most people remember him as the king who tried to skewer David with a spear. Right. And so he's not really seen as someone like, as the, in the same light that we would see a King David, um, Moses, Paul, the, 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 the evangelist, you know, the missionary, we tend to see King Saul in, in, a, in a negative light. But the truth, truth be told, he was actually God's man to be the very first king. So Samuel now has to find him. So he's beginning this quest of looking for this new to-be-announced king. Mm. Now, jump over to, to Saul's life. He's just trying to be Saul. He's not trying to be king. He's not trying to get in in favor with anybody. He's just trying to be Saul. And one day the donkeys got out and his dad said, I need you to go find the donkeys. And so as he began this menial task of going to look for the donkeys, that is when God began to direct his steps away from what was common and normal into something that he had prepared for him that was pretty amazing. Mm. And that was to be the very first king of Israel. Right, right. So that's the backstory behind it. And so what I wanted to do was to take that backstory because and bring it to, to I guess, the forefront of, of people's mind in that I wanted to write something that would encourage and compel people to understand that sometimes God uses unusual things in our life to direct our step away from what is safe and predictable into something that's new and fresh and something we never expected possible in our lives. Right. Absolutely. I, I loved the book. I thought it was fantastic. And the idea the the, I feel like a lot of times, uh, especially people in, in my generation, they get very discouraged when they pick up the Old Testament because they are just so confused as to how to operate within these stories. Um, and I saw you take that passage um, from First Samuel and really expound on it in such a way that I, I felt was incredibly practical and completely and fully utilizes every aspect of that Old Testament scripture for us today. Not, you know, not trying to say that you're saying we are Saul and that we are taking this spot and God has us doing the, not, not necessarily in that kind of context, that kind of way, but yeah. that the Bible was written for us in a way. The Bible was written for our encouragement. And so we need to take these stories that we see and use them like how Saul was using this menial thing for something greater. We can use the menial things in our lives for something greater. And you tell story after story about that in your book. 
And I, I thought yeah, it was people, wonderful. That's one of the feedback. One of the common threads of feedback that I get from people is just how well the stories connect. And that's just something the Lord has birthed in me from even when I was in, in school is just this, this knack for being a, uh, a good listener, which Andrew, you don't know this, and it's it's very ironic because uh, from the time I was a child, I mean a little child, even to this day, uh, I have substantial hearing loss, mm. and so to be in a, in a place where I felt like the Lord had just given me this knack for listening to people and hearing their story, um, it's just quite ironic that I'm at a place given that, that challenging circumstance in my life. That shows the power of God right there. You know, people, yeah. Will, yeah. that, that, that verse that says, you know, with man, it's impossible with God. All things are possible. Uh, you having starting off in an area where you're hard of hearing and then getting to a point to where, you know, you're writing a book based upon all the stories and experiences you've heard and listened to. I, I think that that truly shows the power of God there. Amen. Yeah. And, and listen, that, that's really what I want people to experience. Yes, I want you to read a book and I want you to get encouraged. But more than anything, I want people to, to take this book and go, you know, if all this surrender, and that's really been a big theme in my life these, these last couple of years. If I'll just surrender my life to him and, and quit buying into the excuses that I'm telling myself, you know, one, one of the, phrases in the book that I use is that excuses are lies we tell ourselves to avoid the truth. Mm -hmm. That was good. If we don't, if if we'll be willing to put the excuses to the side and don't even listen to them and just press on until the Lord clearly says, this is not something I need you to do. Cause that's, you know, that's another thing. There are things that we feel like we are equipped to do and we think we ought to do for the glory of God, but we really aren't that equipped to do. Mm. I mean, there's people on America's Got Talent or uh, American Idol that think they are equipped to be the next rock star, but they can't <laughs> carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah, but they can sing because the mama said they can sing. Right, right, right thing is that what's different is when god tells us that we can do something that means a lot more than than when our mom says it exactly yeah so you um talked a little bit about you know answered a little bit of uh a question that we had coming up what practical steps do you want your readers to take from this book are there any other practical things you want it you know do you want them to take it you want them to to use it what are some practical ways you can see someone using this book in their life Right. Yeah. So obviously just getting to a place where you can you know, start from the beginning and get to the end. Uh, I think a lot of times that's a challenge for people who read books that they don't get all the way to the end. And, mm-hmm. and, and in my opinion, probably the most significant chapter in the book is so I'm looking now that chapter number is a, it's a section that I call clarifying the vision in chapters 15, 16, and 17 um, are really what I think is where I, I want readers to get that far into the book because I think that's where the, the, the catalyst for changing their life is going to happen. Um, and so I use all those stories at the front to kind of just build some rapport and, 
some some connection to the the concept. But fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen anchor to this idea of a purpose puzzle, mm-hmm. and just understanding that there is a purpose for our lives. And I think a lot of people struggle with what that is. You know, it would be great if we could just grab a Bible, go to the index, find our last name and look at page 80,412 and find my purpose. Right, right. But that's not the case. You know, there's nothing in Scripture that clearly says this is your purpose except, and this is where I lay out in the book, I believe that our purpose anchors all the way back to what Jesus identified as the greatest commandment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and I don't mind it. This is normally where somebody would kind of just stop and make you go read it, but I want your people to, to really get something out of this today. So the, the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But then if you remember when Jesus shared that, he, he went the extra mile and added a second one. Instead, the second one is like it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that word love is one of those words in our language that is a noun and a verb. And so if you take that command and apply it in, in both contexts, both structures, love the Lord your God noun is an expression of our devotion to him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, love the Lord your God verb means there has to be action attached to that love. And so, first of all, are we loving him with our affection? Are we loving him with our action? And then you apply that to the, the love of your neighbors yourself. So am I loving people, am I loving the people around me with affection, and am I loving them with action? And that's why I use the metaphor of a puzzle, because when you start to put a puzzle together, what do you always find first? You find the corner pieces. And so if I put those four corners in place, and then I start working on the edges, uh, and I give some guiding questions on what those are uh, in the book, and I don't want to misquote them, so I'm going to read them sometime until I start sharing them from memory. I deviate from the actual question. So one question is, what are my desires? Another edge of what are my talents? A third edge of what are my opportunities? And a fourth edge is where am I growing? Mm-hmm. And so as I begin to work on those four questions, anchor to those four corners, we begin to see how God has equipped our lives to serve him for the most effective outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would add that I created a, a downloadable workbook that works through these four questions. Uh, and they, your, your listeners can get that at thechasingdonkeysbook.com. Thechasingdonkeysbook.com. That's where you can find the workbook. Um, you can also yep. buy a copy of the book there, a, a, a personalized copy of the book. From what you, yeah, yeah, you told yeah, me. and that's not that's nothing about I me. Mean, people ask me all the time if I'll sign the book, and I say, well, if I sign it, the value goes down. My but goodness! I will, uh, oh my! But goodness. I'll be glad to personalize it and uh, just encourage you with something uh, on the inside. So yeah, that's that's available as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, as we are 
rolling it toward the end, I just wanted to ask you personally, Brother Morris, what has the Lord laid on your heart recently? That does not have to be anything concerning chasing donkeys or the message in it, but what has the Lord been been speaking to you on recently? Oh my gosh, I am excited to share this, Andrew, because he has been He's been fresh in my life. Um, and I love my my daily discipline, a, a time with him. And, um, and and through that, he is just really beginning to show me some areas in my life that I can really give some attention to. And it's so simple. But, oh, my gosh, it has been so profound. And, and it anchors to this one simple phrase, two-word phrase slow down mm. that's it slow down and and, by, and what i have found is by me slowing down i've been able to see and hear him uh more often and, and more clearly and really engage with him more often um and so every part of my life has been about slowing down i try to drive slower i try to walk slower i try to Sometimes I even try to talk slower because mm. the way I, my brain is wired as a creative thinker, um, I have a hard time getting my ideas out because I'm trying to say it so quickly because it's so it's how I'm trying to keep my mouth in the same speed that my brain is going. I, I relate to you 100. Yeah. percent my, li- my listeners yeah. feel and you. So they have I to listen to me. I try to slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and by slowing down, I'm able to converse with him more yes and and as i've done that what i have found is my conversations with him uh are a lot more frequent Mm. to to the point that i've begun to be very diligent about praying moment by moment right and so as we were getting ready to to make this connection today i i pray for this you know and so just asking the Lord to, to direct your questions and watch over the technology and, and give me the words that needed to be clearly communicated. And so when we finish this, I'll look at my calendar and see what's next, and I'll begin praying for that. And I'll begin listening if the Lord's going to give me any insight or any response to how I can honor him in that next meeting and that next conversation and that next reply to an email or a text message. It's just because I'm slowing down, I'm able to maximize the opportunity to, to engage with him more. And it is such a sweet spot to be. Absolutely. And because he, this is where, you know, one of the things in, in the book, I, I give people four strategies to, to implement if they feel like God is directing their steps to something new and fresh. And the very first one is pray. Yes. And that is so key because too often we tend to launch into things and get in over our head. And then we decide now's a good time to pray. Right. And, um, and I, I tell this great story about King Saul, you know, wanting to go and, plunder um, one of the enemies that he was having to deal with and so he said let's go plunder them are y'all with me and all of his yes men said yeah we'll go with you but then over to the side there are a a group of priests 
And and uh, if you read the, uh, I'll just quick reference to the, the text. It says, then Saul said, let us chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. And all of these men replied, we'll do whatever you think is best. But then in First Samuel 14.36, it says, but the priest said, let's ask God first. Mm. And so I just want to be in a place in my life where that's, that's where I go first. I don't go to God after I've done something, but I, I go to him first. And that's what he's really been showing me, the, the intimacy and the, the, the fellowship that I can have with him. When I'm trying to ask for direction and trying to get him to show me what's next, yeah, that's important. But what's even more important is just my fellowship and dependence upon him, which is where he wants us to be, right? Love the Lord, all your heart, mind, and soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. That ties into what the Bible says about, you know, praying without ceasing, where you are in this constant communication with God. And it's not like, you know, you bow your head, close your eyes, and you're going to be like, you know, you know, dear Heavenly Father, close it off with an right. amen. You're, you're just. Yeah, in, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, I had a lunch with a guy yesterday and I had encouraged him a while back. He had to make a pretty big decision and he needed some time with someone that was a, a big decision maker. And uh, as I was kind of coaching him through that, I said, you know, you need to pray Nehemiah's prayer. And he's like, what's that? I said, well, Nehemiah's prayer, he prayed a bunch, but, but the one I'm at this, one of the most notable prayers is when he wanted to talk to the king and he just said, well, I, I need an audience with the king. And not what a few days later that again, the Lord just kind of orchestrated the, the circumstances to allow him to have a face-to-face conversation with a key person. And uh, God gave him favor in what he wanted to ask. So when we slow down and we ask for those opportunities, the Lord is faithful to give us. Amen. Amen. Well, Dwayne, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing about the book, sharing about your heart and where God has led you uh, with slowing down. Um, If you all are interested in Chasing Donkeys, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on thechasingdonkeysbook.com. The Audible version, the audio version will be available on Audible soon. We are still working out the final review process for that, but that should be available within the next week, week and a half, Lord willing. And I really pray that it blesses your life, that it touches your life. Uh, and I'm sure Dwayne has the exact same feeling. Brother Dwayne, oh, yeah. you got, you got any, uh, you got anything else to say before we help log off today? Well, I tell you this, what I, I just got an email today. Uh, I would in, in love if any of your, listeners or anybody that listens to this and they they get a copy and they get to read it or get to listen to it and if the lord does something in their life or through their life and i love to hear how that plays out so they can leave a message on that website um the chasingdonkeybook.com and uh, just let me know man what what the lord's doing i want to celebrate with people and just hear what god's doing in lives of of anybody that can um, be willing to put their hand, put their life in his hand and allow him to direct their steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. You heard him folks go, uh, go leave a message after you've read the book, which you should, because it is fantastic. 
All right, Brother Dwayne, thank you so much for hopping on to Little Light Devotionals today. One last plug for the ChasingDonkeysBook.com. Go there, buy a copy, support Brother Dwayne and his ministry and the work that he has put into that book. Uh, For those of you interested in all my socials and all my podcast information or for hiring me for your next audiobook, Go to linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. Thank you guys so much for listening. God bless you. I love you. I will see you next time.